Manifesting just means to make real. It doesn't mean things appearing by magic. What a treat. That was a snippet from Denise Duffield Thomas's interview that you're about to listen to. She's awesome. Denise Duffield Thomas is a money mindset mentor. She is the creator of the Money Bootcamp and best-selling author of two books, Lucky Bitch and Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. She teaches us about how we can change our money mindsets and welcome abundance into our lives to know we are worthy of that. We're talking heaps of things in this episode, but to give you a snippet of some of them, what a money mindset mentor really is, what it is that Denise does with her clients, how she set up her business to play to her strengths. She's written a new book called Chillpreneur that is about to be released. So we're really talking about how business doesn't have to be hard. What happens when she lost her focus in her own business? How manifesting isn't magic? how she's raising babies and a business at the same time, and so much more. This is a really interesting discussion, so stay tuned for more from Denise. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Denise, thank you so much for being on Here to Thrive. This is a bit of a treat because I feel like I've been mixing in similar circles to you for a number of years, but we've never connected. So I'm very excited to get a chance to actually speak with you about your work. Oh, thank you, Kate. I'm really excited. And I love the fact that, yeah, we're two down under girls on opposite sides of the world. Can we talk a little bit about your business and what you do for anyone who may not be familiar with you, Denise? You're a money mindset mentor. What does that mean? Well, it's a totally made up job title, but I don't coach people one-to-one and I am a teacher. I suppose I teach programs about money, but I'm not a financial expert as in I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial advisor. And so I kind of thought, well, I like mentoring people. I love giving women particularly a different perspective on money. And so that's what I really focus on. I want to change people's views on money. I want to change especially female entrepreneurs' views on uh, their pricing, their self-worth, dealing with their money, being okay to receive money and accept money. So for me, I just wrapped that all up into a mindset mentor. I'm not a financial coach. Um, I help you with your money mindset. So what does your business actually look like if you're not coaching one-on-one and if people aren't familiar with you, how do you teach and share this wisdom? Well, I practice what I preach here because I love encouraging people to find their path of least resistance in every aspect of their business, including how you set up your business to help you thrive. So for myself, I don't want to do one-to-one coaching because it's not my area of expertise, as in I prefer to talk than listen. That's how I um, came up with that. I like it. Yeah, I'm more of a preacher than a 
you know, coach and even probably I'm more of a preacher than a teacher, to be honest. So I've set up my business that I can preach to people, which love my Virgo know-it-all side loves. So I, I do books, I write books and I run a program called the Money Bootcamp. It's a community and it's a course all about really uncovering your mindset issues around money. So my business is very simple. It's very simple business model. And I've deliberately set it up that way to help me thrive so I can give and not get burnt out by that. I like the fact you call it a very simple business model, but it is been a business that has delivered big time for you. It is the business that has allowed you to be the the bitch who got rich, if we can put it that way. Because I know that your husband was even able to leave his job to work in the business as well, wasn't he? Yes. Well, I actually have been pitching that to Mark ever since we got together in like 2003, right? I, you know, we got together and I was like, one day we're going to be millionaires and we're going to be free to do whatever we want to do and travel around the world. And for years, he he kind of, um he believed me. But he was in his day job um, in marketing, which he loved. And I would say, babe, my business is going to do so well. You'll be able to quit your job. And I remember him saying, okay, well, when your business earns six figures, I'll quit my job. So I was like, we're earning six figures now from my business. And he was like, oh, actually, that's not enough. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, no, no, no. When when your business makes half a million. And I was like, okay. Um, and then I did that one and he's like, no, no, no. When your business owns a million, then I'll quit. And I think I got to like 2 million and I was like, dude, it's time for you to quit your job. And I, we realized it wasn't about the money at all. It was all about him not knowing what to do with himself and not having that freedom to, I guess, even ask the question, what do I want to do with my life? And I had been in circles like that for a long time where it was a very normal discussion. And I remember him saying, what am I going to tell people that I do? And I was like, whatever you want. That's so interesting. So he did move out though, and he supports you in marketing as the bus- in the business. Is that his role? Yes, but for the first nine months, he did some freelance sports marketing. And I remember our accountant sat down with us and said, he goes, Mark, Denise's business is earning quite a lot of money. And I'm sure you're going to get there with your business. But have you considered like, you know, using your skills in her business. And he was like, oh, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, of course it had to come from someone else. <laughs> he wouldn't have done it if, if I had asked him to do it. And um, I think he really, pretty early on, he really got the concept. He was like, oh, yeah, we can make money here. Okay. And, but you know what? Because my, I guess, philosophy in business is there's always an easier way. I love doing shortcuts. I like finding the hacks to do things. And he really resisted that because it was so against his nature of like, I have to do things by the book, to the letter. You know, he's a Boy Scout. He over delivers. So he had to unlearn a lot of that um, to work in the business. And he still has to unlearn it sometimes because, you know, it naturally comes to me to find the half-assed kind of path to something. Um, I feel you from a, really well. I feel you from a personality level. My husband, we sound similar. My husband is uh, very meticulous, and I drive him crazy with my half-assed housewifing. I really do. He's like, but it what? works. He was like, why didn't this get upstairs to the laundry basket? And I'm like, it didn't need to. <laughs> no. Yeah, I drive Mark crazy too, and I'm a quick, high, quick start. So I'm just like, let's jump in, and he's he has to research things a little bit, but. 
you know, the, I have to admit the first year of working together was really tough. We're, we're coming up to two years now. Um, it was tough, you know, and we still have moments where I'm like, dude, I'm the boss. Would you send this to your boss? Like he'll send me something and not proofread it. And I'll just send it straight back. I'm like, I'm not even touching this. Would you have done this at Manchester United when you worked for Man United? Would you have done this to your boss? No, then don't do it to me. Um, and we have, you imagine how how well that works. Yeah, I can imagine that goes down like a, yeah, like a ton of bricks at times. So in terms of the business model, you're mentoring, preaching to women about releasing their fear around money, releasing their blocks and do we as women often sabotage ourselves? Like that might be a naive question, but I'd love to hear more about how you see women getting in their own way when it comes to money. Oh, sabotage is the name of the game because I am a big believer in the fact that business is not hard. And anyone who wants to fight me on that, just at me on Instagram. But it's, <laughs> it's not hard. Like you can Google how to do it. You know, it's like, oh, how do I self-publish a book? I don't know. Use Google. It's like a five-part process. So why are we getting so scared all the time? It's not It's not ability because every female entrepreneur I know is like smart, then talented enough, they're ambitious enough, like all that stuff. So what is it that's holding us back? And for so many of us, it's fear. We're really scared about either being visible or getting it wrong or it not working out or actually we're really scared of success all the times, you know, like we're worried about, Oh my God, I'm going to have to be famous now or I'm going to have to, you know, go against my personality. And you really don't. So the biggest sabotage I see for women really is just thinking that we, we're not allowed to have what we want or it's not allowed to go our way. It's not allowed to be designed specifically for us because it feels too easy or too obvious or like cheating or we've just been told that it has to be hard and so we recreate that in our lives and businesses but yes sabotage is the only thing that holds people back in business not not knowledge not ability um, not even investment you know you don't need a lot of investment in your business the only thing holding you back is your mindset from getting started it's the self-sabotage I'm assuming that you had to overcome some self-sabotage yourself, that you didn't just wake up the money guru that you are today, the chillpreneur, which we'll talk about soon. You didn't just wake up and have this all sorted. I'm assuming you had to learn on the way. Oh, of course. But you know what? One thing that I have been really good at my whole life is I'm a a, uh, lifelong learner. So I've always been into reading personal development books. I think my biggest problem, though, is that I didn't apply it to money. I applied it to positivity, self-talk. You know, I I mean, no one was a better self-talker than I was in my 20s. But I never thought that I could apply that to money. You know, and that was my biggest sabotage, I think, just thinking that money had to be hard, that money wasn't for me, that asking for money was hard. Um, and all of those things. So as soon as I started applying all the things that I actually knew, and I'm sure most people listening have read a million personal development books, apply it to money, you know, and that's what my books do. Um, then you'll see that it's the same sabotage, but just in a different area. So in your 20s, you weren't sitting around with the freedom of lifestyle that abundance has brought you today. No. Oh my God. No. Well, first of all, I didn't grow up with very much money at all. My mum was a single parent, um, very stressed about money. And I, but I was always entrepreneurial always. So I spent my twenties actually going, um, 
<laughs> in and out of jobs and entrepreneurship. And I would start a job, you know, I did event management and consulting and all these different things, worked in charities. And after about six to nine months, I was like, no, it's time for me to start my business. So I would quit my business, sorry, quit my job, start a blog about movie reviews or raw food or green smoothies or whatever, whatever was my thing at the time. And, but not really have a plan on how to do it. And I'd get really blocked and not know how to monetize things. And then the cycle would start all over again. So that was, um, you know, that was pretty much a whole decade of just like that same cycle. I love I'm, it. I, I see a lot of people stuck in still. Right? You're like, that was my yeah. 20s. That was the whole decade. <laughs> just re- yeah. repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You talked about your mum being stressed about money. I feel like so many of us have that kind of relationship with money, one of like stress when we think about it. How do we let go of the, is that a fear of money? How do we let go of the stress? How do we, I think so many of us actually don't really like money because it's caused us so many problems. Well, it has. And when um, I get people on my money boot camp, we actually go pretty early into our money stories because a lot of people think it's the surface stuff. What am I supposed to charge for my program? You know, should I charge 297 or 299? Like we get really caught up in these little kind of problems that we think are the problem. And they're not. You have to go so much deeper than that. And you have to go pretty early. So we look at what your money memories are. What are your earliest memories around money? And a few stories will start to bubble up. And it could be a story about women and money in your family. So you might not have ever seen a woman in your family have independence around money. So you might have this really deep underlying story that money is not for you, that money is a, a men's game, a man's game. You might have been told as a kid that money burnt a hole in your pocket and you've got to release that. You might have been told from a very early age, which I reckon 100% of people I know, their first interaction with money is someone saying, don't put that in your mouth, money's dirty. And we just have this really deep story around that that gets compounded and compounded as we go through life. Um, So that's my first thing is always let's go back really deep to, to see what you remember about money. My little head is spinning over here going, wow, what are my earliest money memories? And what is it that I'm perhaps subconsciously believing about money that is getting in the way of my life right now? Yes. And you have to go there because otherwise you just start to go into this circle of like, oh, what should I charge for this? It's like, it doesn't matter. Just pick a number. But that's not the problem. The problem is that you have this underlying deep, deep story that you are unworthy of money. That's what we have to go and fix first. And then you're whatever, just pick a number. (laughs) I love it. So we go to the source, fix all the stuff that's blocking you right at the very source. And then whatever you want, then just start just start bringing that to be well you'll find it's so much easier like I honestly think doing something like that really going deep in that it it does clear a lot of your stuff and then you're still going to have blips on it you know I'll be honest I still have stuff now like I still second guess when I price a program I still have to look at my money mindset I just look at it from a slightly different angle sometimes now um but it's it's maintenance you know, you have to do, it's like when you go to the gym, the first couple of times you go, it's like, you have to really change some habits. 
And most of the time it's mental habits that we have to change with stuff around money. And then you go kind of into a bit of a maintenance mode where some of that just becomes your habit, where maybe you do, um, you're able to stop a thought in its tracks around, well, I'm terrible about money. It's, maybe it's not even there anymore. Or maybe you can learn to, you know, stop that, do a pattern interrupt and, and stop that before it forms and then becomes a negative cycle in your life. Right. Like I like to say, that's when you can hit override and be like, nope, nope not running on automatic there. That that thought is not allowed to just run under the radar. So your first book was called Lucky Bitch, right? And your second one is Get Rich, Lucky Bitch? Yep. And these two were self-published initially. Was that how it went? Because you mentioned self-publishing earlier. Like if you want to go self-publish a book, just get on with it. Just do it. <laughs> yes, because I wanted a book. So I asked the universe for a best-selling book idea and I got the idea of Lucky Bitch in the shower. And I remember telling my coach and saying, I'm so scared to go down this route. What are people going to think of me? And I finally did it. And I just I self-published through Create Space, which um, Amazon owns, and Kindle. Just did it all myself. There was a lot of spelling mistakes in the first probably three versions of that book. And because I wrote half in English, US English and half in UK English, which people would have loved reading it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Do you know, I would now. do the exact same thing because I obviously live in the States and now I write in US English because of what I have to do to get blogs published and stuff. But, you know, there was a lot of ingrating before that about English English. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I just self-published it and it was really interesting how – people started to see or think it was suddenly I had a real business because I had a book, even though it was literally written in like two weeks and self-published very badly. Um, and I really highly recommend this to any entrepreneur, by the way, if you know, you've got family members who are like, what do you do again? Just write, just spend a weekend writing a book. And then your Nana can tell you her bingo friends that you're an author and your mum can understand and your uncle Bob at Christmas won't you know, keep asking about your online weird business, just tell people you're an author. It's brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> As like the monkey is off your back. Then you just get to go on and do what you want. I love the way you asked the universe for a best-selling book idea. Mm -hmm. And it became a best-selling book. I mean, that book is where I learned about you. It, it was just one of those titles that like as soon as I heard it, it doesn't leave you, Denise. Get Rich Lucky Bitch, you people will never forget that title. I promise you. <laughs> and that has its pros and cons, right, because it was one of those things that it did immediately turn off some people, you know, and I was I was okay with that after the initial kind of fear of it. I just went, you know what, this is my truth for now and this is where I want to, you know, send my business. I want to be memorable in this in this business to start off with. And it, it's worked really well. And I know we're about to talk about my third book, but there was a sneaky third book. Oh, there was um, another one? A sneaky one? Two, let's call it 2A. It was 2A. Um, so it was called Get Hitched, Lucky Bitch. Oh. And this is a perfect example of going off brand, going off message, because I started talking about manifesting as well as money. And I would, you know, people would go, well, can I use the same techniques to manifest a soulmate? And I was like, yes. So I was like, yeah. So I had a soulmate program for a little bit. I did some soulmate coaching in my first kind of year or two of business of helping people manifest their their partner. Because honestly, it's the same work, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, if I'm teaching it in money, I may as well teach it in yeah. I've know, got the, I've got, partner. I've got the tools right here. Like, let it roll. 
Absolutely. And that's just such a great lesson for people to hear about shiny object syndrome. Oh, and can we talk more about that? Because yes. other people may not be familiar of, with shiny object syndrome, but it is, oh, the things that bling out of the corner of your eye. For entrepreneurs, it's what yeah. we do. We're, we're like, oh, my God, this is a great idea. Somebody should monetize that. I should monetize that. <laughs> I have so been no. It's no. not your job to monetize everything. So this was the, I think this was the thing for me going from six figures to seven figures, honestly. It was realizing that I had to focus. I had to focus and I wanted to be known for one thing and that was money mindset. And my new mantra became all roads lead to boot camp. Mm. All roads lead to boot camp. And that really helps me because it means I can still be creative in my marketing. I can do whatever marketing I like, you know, as long as all roads lead to boot camp. Mm. Um, and it sounds restrictive, but it's really not because it just helps me focus. It helps me be creative, but a path, I suppose, to lead people on. It and makes, Get Hitch did not fit in that. So are we, are we saying that Get Hitch Lucky Bitch was not a huge success? It didn't take off like the Get Rich Lucky Bitch? I think I had maybe four or five people in the program, in the course, and I don't think the book ever really, I, I think, I, no, I know what I did. I created a book cover for it. I got it edited and I killed it just before publication. Oh, so 2A did not yes. see the light of day. Except I do give it to people in my boot camp sometimes if people ask for it. And it actually, this is why it's great with Chillpreneur, it actually has a second life a little bit in Chillpreneur because I talk about when I was internet dating and I use my internet dating formula and I use that. There's a whole chapter in Chillpreneur now to explain marketing by internet dating. <laughs> so brilliant. I See, nothing is ever wasted. You nothing. know, I just feel like whenever entrepreneurs make content, they often wonder like, oh, you know, well, I just did that and now it's disappeared. And having been in business now myself about three and a half years, I'm finding that I've got this just like amazing pool of my own thoughts that I can now pull on for, for anything. It's amazing. Absolutely. There's heaps of stuff on everyone's computer just sitting there. And what I did honestly for the Chillpreneur thing, I was like, okay, I'm just going to pull that whole chapter out of Get Hitched. And I, you know, just added a few sentences here and there. And I was like, I'm so thrilled that this gets a second life here because now it's part of my plan. All roads lead to boot camp, whereas before it was a distraction. Yeah, it was like, oh, but that road leads to this like side gig that I have running. That makes total sense to me. I want to talk a little bit more about manifesting. That's integral to your message. So we, we, you've got the blocks part, but then you also talk about manifesting, right? Mm -hmm. How have you been able to manifest the life of your dreams? How have you been able to manifest your success? Any like stories or little tidbits that you could share with us like a a one rule that we might need well yes okay so money is manifesting and marketing is manifesting okay so let me tell you what that means so I asked in my group today what do you guys want to manifest this week and someone said oh I want to get some clients but you know if I email them is that not manifesting and I was like marketing is manifesting manifesting just means to make real it doesn't mean things appearing by magic it means oh. to make real. That's it. So manifesting means to make real. I feel like so many people feel like manifesting means sitting in your house 
and willing something so hard that it literally lands on your doorstep. So you're saying we have to be actively involved in our manifestations. Absolutely. And it all counts. And, you know, I started talking about manifesting because I I started winning a lot of things in my late 20s and I didn't have any money, but I was like winning stuff all the time. And then so people sometimes come to me and say, Denise, I want to manifest, want to win this car in a raffle. And I said, you know what? The quickest way to manifest something these days is to buy it with money. Oh. So you go and work in your business and then you can buy what you want. You don't have to win it. You don't have to get what the universe gives you for free. It's like buying it is manifesting it as well. Marketing is manifesting clients. That's it. Taking action is manifesting what you want. So that's my philosophy. And when I talk about manifesting, I always try and break it down into very practical bite-sized pieces. What does that mean to be feel like you're in the flow? What does it mean to write down your goals? Or what does it mean to take inspired action or to receive the money there's some very practical things you can do in each of those steps and I talk about that in in lucky bitch so lucky bitch is very much about manifesting in general get rich lucky bitch is very much about manifesting money and chillpreneur is is very much about creating your business you know and getting manifesting clients I suppose and, and money So I'm super excited. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about Denise's upcoming book, Chillpreneur. When is it released? It's due for publishing next year, but we can pre-order it already, right? Uh, Yes. So you should be able to pre-order it on Amazon. It's going to be out in Kindle, paperback and Audible, which I haven't recorded yet, but that will be out all at the same time in February 2019. So it is just around the corner. Well, it is, but you know, I really want to tell people too, writing a book is a long freaking process. So that's why there's pros and cons to self-publishing versus traditional publishing, right? You know, this is, I started writing this book when I was pregnant with, I think maybe just had given birth to George and he was born in 2016. And it was because I was reading this book and I'll give you a clue. It was like, it's a book about successful people, like case studies about successful people. And I was reading the book and it was about this, this guy who like got up at 4.30 to work on his blog and then he worked all day and then he literally like worked until one o'clock and then oh, fell asleep on the couch. Oh my gosh. Yes, and he had a wife and kid, which wasn't mentioned until like his 6 p.m. part of his oh. his day. And I was like, <laughs> this is fucked. Like this is not success for any of the women that I know with children or without children. This is this not is how not we success. define success. If it, if it, if, yeah, if we're killing ourselves to do it, it's not success. So you felt like chillpreneur was like birthed right in that, that second. That was when you conceived the idea. It was. And it was a lot of it too, is knowing that the entrepreneurial world dismisses women a lot. You know, it's almost like you're only an entrepreneur if you've sold your company to investors. And I actually see a lot of people now trying to buy back their companies because they realize that, yeah, cool, it's great that we've got these multi-million dollar revenues, but we're making no profit and the original, you know, joy of our business is being destroyed because now we've got shareholders and we've got a board. So I was really noticing that, you know, the women that I know who are successful And this is not just the million dollar people that I know. This is anyone who works for themselves, has a business that creates freedom for themselves and their family. And that price point is totally different depending on where you live. You know, you can have a lot of freedom in some, you know, small town compared to living in a big city. But I was like, are we not entrepreneurs just because we have no desire to have a massive business or tons of employees or, 
you know, gazillion dollar revenues where we're not making any profit. Um, and I was like, this is crap. This is bullshit. You're like, I need to write the book on this. This is what I yeah. need to do. And I'll be really transparent to you. I really wanted to write the female version of four hour work week. Mm-hmm. Because Tim, I love Tim Ferriss's work. It influenced me so much in my 20s. But, but I feel like he doesn't, doesn't work necessarily he, for women. I was going to say, truth be told, I love Tim Ferriss, but he doesn't really talk a woman's, he doesn't talk a girl's chat, you know? I don't feel, a, I don't resonate with him strongly. He's a real man's man and he has that strong message. So I, I think there's an opening there. Well, and I appreciate that. And I, I heard him being asked about this and someone said, why don't you have more women in your books and on your podcast? That's not my target market. You know, my target market is, you know, a man in his like 20s yeah, or his exactly. late 20s. I think that's what he said. I don't want to paraphrase. And I thought, you know what? Good on you, Tim, because that's not your job to write that book for women. That's my job and that's your job. Kate and that's whoever listening that's our job to write it for ourselves we can't get angry at Tim that he doesn't understand what it's like you know to be a woman or to have kids or to want to have a bit more of a chilled life that's not his job that's our job I love it so you're thinking you know what I need to write the book I need to write the woman's guide to the four-hour work week and then chillpreneur started to grow but you're saying you've she Denise has had another baby since George You've had Piper yeah. <laughs> since George, right? So um, how long ago was that? <laughs> so she's four months old. So I wrote this book when I was like postpartum, like literally postpartum, you know, breastfeeding, pregnant, and then um, I handed it in I think two days before she was born. Wow. And then we've just, you know, done edits and stuff since then. So it's very much a but you know what I have to really say when people go, oh, wow, you've written three books. I'm like, here's my, here's how I write. I write one paragraph and then I scroll on Instagram for four hours. Like I am not a prolific organized writer in any way. That's probably why it took me two years to write this book. I love the way that you're so honest because I'm trying to write my first book at the moment. And there has been a lot of those moments where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and there's Instagram. Instagram can suck you right in. It's a lot of fun though. <laughs> It is. So that's why I'm saying to people, just write a book in a weekend and then you can do more editions. Like Lucky Bitch has had like four editions and four covers. Just write your book. Oh, I love it. So tell us a little bit more about the concept of chillpreneur. Is that teaching us or talking to us about how we can take that path of least resistance, that easier way that you mentioned earlier? Well, if I was to sum up the book, that's what it's about. It's literally about finding your path of least resistance. Um, I actually don't give a lot of business advice anymore unless I understand your personality. And that's what the book is about. It's like find out what makes you tick because you can't follow someone else's business model. You can't copy someone's blueprint because they might have a completely different personality to you. They might have different circumstances. They might have different desires or energy or capacity for work. So you have to find yours. And that means finding the business model that works for you finding the marketing that feels good to you and finding, you know, every part of your path of least resistance products and services you offer. And this is, this is the thing, right? That's not like super revolutionary, but I think what is, is women giving themselves permission to do that. And I'm actually uh, teaching a course at the moment and giving people business advice on their particular personality. And they're like, am I allowed to do that? Like, would people pay me to do that? That comes so easily to me. And it's like, 
Yes, and that's the point. Oh, that, <laughs> that, we, the point. that when we get into our own flow, that we are so powerful. Well, just as you mentioned earlier, you don't coach women or anyone. You don't coach people one-on-one because that is not obviously your personality. No, it's not my preference. And, you know, people offer, offer, offer and ask me all the time to do it. And I'm like, look, I would take your money and I would spend it guilt-free. But this is not a good investment for you because it's not <laughs> my zone of genius. Like, that give me the so money, brilliant. you know, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll feel fine about putting it on my mortgage or buying new crystals. I'll t- feel totally guilt-free about that. But I'm looking out for you here. It's not my zone of genius. Join one of my programs instead because that's where I can show up you know, I can give you all the information I need to give you, the communities there, but it it's not going to be good, just me and you. Yeah, it might for a while, but <laughs> yeah, not I my thing. It's not, it's not your zone of genius. So do you talk yep. about those kind of personalities or those traits that we have within Chillpreneur? Yes, I do, but also it's about really finding your combination of, you know, what business model works for you might change over time. You know, mine certainly has. Yeah, mine well, certainly yeah, has. I can vouch for that. That yeah, my business has certainly changed. Oh, absolutely. And you can also shift and mix and match. You know, like some people are totally happy to do coaching plus a bit of teaching. Some people make things and teach how to how to do it. You know, as well. So this is a perfect example of like a maker, someone who say makes arts or crafts and they sell them. You know, you can add an extra business stream by showing people how you do that. And then some people think, but doesn't that cannibalize my work if I show them how to do it? And this works for consultants as well. Like Jade McKenzie, for example, she's an event planner, but she also has a course that helps people DIY their own event planning. Oh, my gosh. Some people... I'm totally thinking yeah. of my photographer, um, Life Created, Stephanie, by the way, phenomenal. But she teaches other bloggers how to how to take wonderful photos as well as does product photography. <laughs> well, exactly. And you can mix and match some of those things. So I would say, you know, you just have to just try it and see. And hopefully that's what Chilpreneur will inspire people to do, to try out different business models and go, does that feel good? Or does that not feel good? Like it's as simple as that. That's how I run my whole business. That didn't feel good. I'm going to do something different next time. And don't be afraid to experiment with that. And don't be afraid to shift or pivot or tweak. I find most people only just need to tweak, but they often throw the baby out with the bathwater because they think I'm terrible at this or this is not my thing. And it's like, just tweak it a little and you might actually find it becomes a lot more exciting to you or a lot more profitable or, you know, it might just be you're in the wrong business. I think that's, that's okay a, I think that's a really, really important point that I don't want to gloss over that so many people and I, I coach and do life coaching and career coaching. And I see the same thing in my clients, Denise, is that people think, oh, I, I hate, I don't like this job, which means I hate my career, which means I need to do something completely different. And more often than not, I think people need to pivot not chuck the baby out with the bathwater. And I see that every, yeah, I see it all the time. So just a little note, people, just contemplate that for a second. Perhaps before you throw the baby out with the bathwater and completely just throw your hands in the air, think about how you can pivot. And it might not even be that you pivot your business. You might, your business might be the same, but you might pivot something else like your customers. You know, maybe you don't, you're not supposed to work with beginners anymore. 
Maybe you're supposed to leave that space and create a vacuum for someone else to earn their apprenticeship working with beginners. Or maybe you have to leave some people behind because you're not the right person for them anymore. Sometimes it's a pricing thing. Sometimes you, you know, you're just burnt out because you're charging so little, but you love the work. Well, that's when you need to work on maybe increasing your prices. So the reason why I love this work, I think, and you're probably the same, Kate, in what you do, it's like being a detective. You know, you just have to find those, puzzle out the right kind of combination. And often when you find the right combination, you know, you can tweak again sometime in the future. Nothing ever stays the same. But it's it's really about the self-awareness and giving yourself permission to want what you want and that's okay. Oh, love it. I cannot wait for Chillpreneur. I've actually already pre-ordered my copy, so I, can't, I cannot wait for it to arrive. Yay. I I ask everyone, Denise, a little, have an intermission set with a few questions that get personal. Not that personal, but, you know, we're not talking about your books anymore, put it that way. Um, Are you a morning person or a night person? I used to be a night person before I have kids, had kids, and now, <laughs> now you're they like, wake up at five. They wake up at four thirty a.m., five o'clock. You're so. like, I'm asleep at seven thirty on the couch now. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, when I was in a job, I was not a morning person at all. And as soon as I started working for myself, I started naturally waking up at six o'clock because I was so excited to work on my business. Okay, that's amazing. So you really had a massive energy shift when you yeah. started working for yourself. That is so cool. Okay, what is on your bedside table at the moment? Can you remember a baby monitor? <laughs> um, yes, there's probably a dummy or a pacifier, uh, and then my Kindle. Oh, so I you started read reading books on Kindle? I'm such a paperback girl. I have to like feel that paper in my fingers. No, I'm all, all about Kindle these days um, because I read so fast. I get through books so quickly, and I was once on holidays for. Um, six months actually traveling and I ran out of books and I remember being at this resort and it only had books in Swedish and I was like damn this I'm never doing this again I'm gonna get a Kindle from now on and yeah and I'm I'm reading a horror book at the moment I got really scared last night when I was up breastfeeding Piper and getting really freaked out reading this horror book (laughs) it is Halloween it's the season for it Denise I'm sorry that you're keeping yourself up at night but (laughs) Uh, what is your favorite self-care activity? I think it's just giving myself permission to be lazy. I love sometimes just doing nothing on a weekend. I love going to the movies during the day. Um, and I think in the future when my kids are a little bit older, I'll really embrace things like long baths and, you know, genuinely reading all day. Cause at the moment I can just have little pockets, but yeah, just, just doing nothing like being lazy. I am with you. One of if. If you talk about my favorite self-care activity, reading all day, which I have nabbed a few days recently of doing that. Oh my gosh. Like last year or two years ago, I went to a conference with my husband and he was at the conference all day and I sat in the hotel room and read and I was just in heaven. Yeah. It's bliss. You know what? I almost called Chilpreneur lazy bitch. (laughs) That is so good. (laughs) That is so good. Well, we'll know that is that pseudo title. Yes, exactly. All right. Is there a book that has touched you at an important point in your life, like a favorite book or a book that you really hit you at the right time? So many. And even you know, sometimes you look back at your favorite books and you go, that was just a, t- a moment in time. And four hour work week was a moment in time for me. I was like, this is game changing for me as a book. And then I think um, 
The Big Leap was a really big game changer for me mm, that's when I was looking at my book. blocks. Yeah. And that's a book by Gay Hendricks. Unbelievable. And um, The Art of, sorry, The War of Art by oh. Stephen Pressfield. Again, that came at a moment for me when I, you know, wanted to self-publish and I was very scared about it. And um, and that came at a, a really great moment. And I think, you know what, in the last year, I haven't been drawn to business books very much and or even um, money books. I've actually been reading a lot of Hollywood biographies and autobiography autobiographies. And I've learned so much about myself from from reading about women who are in the public eye. You know, they're not necessarily entrepreneurs. Um, and the most recent one I, I finished just a couple of days ago was Bill, Busy Phillips. Oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah, really good and just really relatable. And and I think those books are really touching my heart at the moment because, you know, just to see how real these women are and but they're dealing with a lot in the spotlight and a lot of their um, self-worth issues are magnified. And I love seeing money blocks in them as well. You know, that really excites me when I go, Ooh, Oh, I wish I could be your friend and tell you like to get over that money block. Um, they're yeah. everyday people with the same stuff that we have going on with the money blocks. I love it. What's a yeah. life list? Money doesn't change money blocks, by the way. That's Oh, really can we go into that for a second? Money doesn't change yeah, money, money blocks. No, money itself doesn't change money blocks. Um, people think that if you just won the lottery, then all your money problems would go away. And we know that's not true. Most people have seen the studies for that. So it's really interesting. I think I really like reading about um, Hollywood celebrities because they're usually the only people that I know who were rich growing up were celebrities. I didn't know any real life people who were rich. So it's interesting seeing the same blocks coming up in people like that as in people I know in, in my real life. So money itself doesn't change any of that. And so much of it is about worthiness, you were saying, tied up with that worthiness. It is. Um, some of it's worthiness, some of it's personality. Right. You know, like if you're terrible with money, give someone $2 million, they'll be just as terrible with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yes, exactly. And some of it is boundaries. I see a lot of, you know, like Hollywood celebrities who support their whole family right. and their whole community and they give money away. And it's fascinating because I see people in my real life do that and they, you know, they're earning a fraction of what a celebrity earns. So it's it's just a really fascinating insight into human behaviour. Got you. It's just the biggest scale. Got you. Understand. What's a life lesson that you feel like you took a long while to learn? Like that I'm a big believer that we're kind of here on a soul school and that we'll get the same lesson over and over again until we learn it. Have you, is there one that's kind of been a little hard for you to learn? Yes. This is business and family for me. You can't do the work for other people. Oh, it's it a good one. It kills me sometimes. Yeah, because, you know, I'm first generation wealthy person in in my, in generations and generations for me and it it it's hard sometimes seeing people in my family struggle financially um knowing that i can help them but i can't do you the can't work for fix them. it yeah you I can't can fix band-aid cover but you can't fix it and it's really hard um I now really try and keep my business advice and my money advice just to people who pay me for that. So people in my program, not people in my real life, as in, you know, in my friends and family, I try and keep that to be like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach to you because you haven't paid me for this preaching. Right. And maybe you don't want <laughs> yeah. it. Like maybe you're not ready to fix that stuff. Right. Absolutely. You know, and it's like some 
people like my brother, for example, who's a couple of years younger than me, he's like, oh, I read your book and he's reading Barefoot Investor. And I was like, we have never even had a conversation about manifesting. And it has influenced him because I've never tried to preach to him or try and fix him or anything like that. But it's even hard sometimes in my programs where my I always want to over-deliver because I want people to get it so badly. And my lesson is that you can't want it for someone more than they want it for themselves. Mm. You just can't. And it's that's my hardest lesson because I, I want to fix things. I just literally, as you're saying this, I'm getting a text from my brother, who my little brother, and you know, he was born when I was 15. So oh, wow. I so he's your baby like brother. Baby. Yeah, he's your baby yeah, brother. He's not just little. He's my baby brother. And my sister was born when I was 19. You know, and when they have a financial problem, of course I want to fix it for them because it's so easy for me just to fix it for them, mm. you know. And his car broke down this week and it's, you know, I had to really sit with it and go, is this enabling him? Right. You know, is this Teach am I doing him fish. a favour? Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard and I don't do it well always. You know, I don't always make the right decision around that. So that's my that's my hardest lesson that I'm still learning all the time. I think that's such a good one. You cannot want it more for someone than they want it for themselves. Uh, I, I see a similar thing come up in my coaching practice all the time. And, it, you know, you can't change the people you love. They have to want to change themselves. You can only change yourself. Yes. And you know what, even as a mom now, I'm like, sometimes I think, how am I going to make sure my kids learn great money lessons? Because sometimes we romanticize poverty, you know, it's like, well, I had to struggle. So who are they going to be without the struggle? Well, maybe they'll be do even more amazing things than me because they didn't have to, they didn't have to unlearn at all. They didn't have to expend energy on struggle. So, you know, I think that's going to be the focus of my next book, to be honest. I think that there are so many parents out there that are like, can you teach us how to teach our children to love and feel good about money? Well, I can, and the book will just be do it yourself and they'll learn from you. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, I'm glad we've got that one sorted. (laughs) That's the book. Next book. (laughs) Hey, house, get it on the books. (laughs) All right. So... What is one thing in your day you can't do without? Oh, that's a really great question. Probably my phone. I live on my phone because I don't have much desk time anymore. Mm, so you know, it's like your I used connection. to be able to. Oh, it's my connection to everything. It's my connection to my, my friends. You know, my my girlfriend in New York just texted me. Um, it's my connection to my community, to my mum's group, to you know my one of my best friends from locally my town she's in bali at the moment teaching a, a course you know she's sending me updates um it's my, literally my business you know like i create insta stories on there and i check in with my community and i make videos i don't have a phone i mean sorry i don't have a camera or a video camera anymore and it sounds really sad and i'm definitely working on you know not having unhealthy habits because i've gone swung a little bit too far but oh my god i am so grateful for that technology that has allowed us to be business women, business owners on the go while we're breastfeeding our children and while we're, you know, at the doctors in the waiting room. I'm like checking into my community. I'm making money. So, yeah, I couldn't live without my phone. I, I, I hear know that you. sounds sad. No, I hear you because I'm so grateful as well for this technology. I mean, the very fact that you and I are having a conversation that will reach thousands of people because of the technology that we have available to us today. You know, this is not even something 
Denise and I are a similar age, not even something that I could have comprehended when I was a teenager at school would ever one day no. be part of my future ability to to do something in the world. I kind of I can remember once thinking about broadcasting and the idea of being on a radio show when in all reality that's practically what we're doing right now. We have our own radio shows on podcasts. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, I think of my grandma, you know, my nan had four kids at a really young age. She took in sewing for extra money. You know, like that's really all that she had available to her. And she, I remember she told me she made a wedding dress for someone and then she spilled a cup of tea on it. Oh, gosh. And she had to unpick everything oh, and start my again. Lord, I can't even imagine the stress that must have caused her. I oh. know. And that's, that's, how, that's the only way she could earn money for herself. And I know, and I, you know, my family members have not liked me talk about this sometimes, but they had a very unhappy marriage and it was because of money. She mm. could not afford to have a different life she had to stay in that relationship and you know that's the my burning why I think now mm. is independence for women because it sucks when you have no money to do the things that you want to do let alone get out of a terrible situation oh my and gosh I'm, I hear you yeah you know I just yes. I know I know some of my own friends and you know just money is empowering money is you are empowered if you have the power to buy what you need. And that's the way of the world we live yeah. in. It is. And you know what? Not everyone has that opportunity. But I know that most of the women listening do have that opportunity. And, yes, you might have things to overcome. You might have problems in your life for sure. No one's saying that you don't. But other women don't have the opportunity you have. So you kind of owe it to them because – you will enrich your communities in so many ways. Every woman I know who's made money buys from other women, mm -hmm. um, employs other women, both in business and their life, and gives money away to causes to that charities. are important to them. Yeah. To charities and increasingly politically as well, giving money to political mm. parties that will enact change in the world. So it's like, why are we, uh, because we're scared that someone's going to send us that little hate message on Instagram. Is I that know. honestly why we're not doing this? And I know that fear is really real, but I just want everyone listening because sometimes women go, well, not everyone has that opportunity. It's like, yeah, but you do. Yeah. So do it for them and I then help empower them in some way. I'm hearing you saying if you've got that cell phone in your hand and you have a dream, you can do something with it. You can do something today. Like you can literally create something like there's drop shipping. You know, you can create a, a message on a T-shirt that someone can ship and fulfill for you. You don't need your own sewing machine. You don't need your own workshop. You don't need to go to the post office anymore to sell stuff. That's amazing. Like when you, when you self-publish through Amazon, someone will print, they'll print the book and send it. You don't need to go to the post office. Right, you load it up. You just load it yeah. up and they print it. it. Yeah. There's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. And the only thing holding us back is fear. So just make sure you get in those right circles, get a coach, you know, get a coach like Kate, come and join one of my programs, be around women who are doing it despite the fear and, you know, and, and buy that freedom for yourself. It's, it's really cheap to buy that freedom for yourself. It's a phone plan and some data. It's a phone plan and some data. I love it. I've got two like really big questions that I want to ask you. Uh, how would you describe the soul? The soul in general? Yeah. And how is that potentially oh, played wow. into what you do? Oh, that's just, I don't know. That's a big, big question. I know. I'm and so I mean. Think, I'm so mean to this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I 
because I thought you were going to say, what's the soul of your business? Um, no, I'm not. I, <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. Like I, I think I'm just here to help people and I'm okay with it not helping everybody anymore. You know, I was like, if I can't help everyone, then I can't even start. And if I'm, I'm like, not saving the I'm world, just, then I'll help no one. <laughs> oh, exactly. I'm just very much, I think I'm very chill about that now. I'm kind of like, this is what I have. And if it helps you, please take it. And if it doesn't, then try something else. So I think my soul is very much at the moment just in a place of like allowance of what is mm. all the time. Perfect. Trying to. And then the very final question, what does fulfillment mean to you? I feel like this is intimately tied with the idea of being a chillpreneur. It is because I think, you know, in my 20s it was finding my thing. My 30s were all about monetizing that thing. And now I'm 39. I can see my 40s. Fulfillment is starting to look very different for me. I'm starting to go back to some of the things I like to do as a kid you know, I was a very crafty kid. I completely forgot about that. And, you know, I've, I'm just like making stuff again. You know, I'm like, I'm going to make an apron and I'm going to do some crafting. And I just, um, we're buying a rose farm for a holiday house and to grow stuff. Um, so fulfillment for me is always, always about freedom to do what you want to do. And that will change over time. Mm, um, I love it. So yes. it comes, it comes down to freedom to do what you want to do. And that changes over time. Definitely. And you have to honor that. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow of that and it's okay to want what you want. And it's okay to like what you like, because it used to be you had, you could only market to the people in your town. Now you've got the whole freaking world. So you're going to find someone who likes you exactly how you are. So oh. just lean into that. I feel like I'm going to be really mean and make you answer one more question just because I feel like otherwise mothers might be screaming at me through the podcast and be like, why didn't you ask about how she's done it with three little babies? How have you grown a business while growing babies? Any tips for those mothers out there that are like, oh my gosh, like that would be impossible. The short answer is I live like a 1950s dad, as in I do not touch laundry. I very rarely touch food, as in I very rarely cook now. I outsource the crap out of everything in my life that doesn't make me money or bring me joy. That but is such a good point. I love it. It is a good point. It's not as expensive as you fear it's going to be often, and I and I pay my my women in my life very well like I don't you know I'm not paying someone two dollars an hour to clean up after me or anything like that or in my business um so that's the short answer and then people go well that's okay for you <laughs> it's not okay for me the the very short answer in that is often it's a chicken and egg conundrum that I see with women where they're like my husband said when my business makes more money then we can get some childcare," and I'm like honey no you have to as a team say this is a short-term sacrifice for my business to be up and running so then we can do the things you know that we want to do in the future and that often means that sometimes you have to you know beg borrow or buy care for your kids mm. to carve out a little bit of time and you don't even need a lot like I really don't work a lot um focus really really focus on the, the money generating things that that you can do especially if it's passive income wise, you know, creating a little e-course or putting your methodology into an e-book and selling that. Mm. Um, and as I said, you know, this is a 
this starts to open a whole big can of worms. But I just want to give people permission, women permission. It's okay to step forward in faith and pay for daycare or childcare or a nanny or just a little bit of care for your kids so you can work uninterrupted on your business because yeah. otherwise it's going to be really hard to do it better. Yeah, I've had childcare since I started my business as well. And truth be told, it made me get off my butt and make money quicker than I would have otherwise. It did. That was a good does, little bit absolutely. of motivation for me as well. Or you have to do it after everyone goes to bed and you have to get up earlier. And I never suggest that as the first port of call because sleep is really freaking important for women. So don't think your only solution is to get up at 4.30 to do your business stuff, have a really honest come to Jesus talk with your partner and say, this is worth investing money in right now for our future. And I remember having to say things like that to Mark and say, you know, this is worth it because one day this is going to be the vehicle that makes so many of our dreams come true. So we have to invest the money before we see it come in. And I mean, it paid off definitely for us, but I just see women just thinking, oh, I'll do it when my business makes money. It's not going to make money without time and effort and nurturing of your business. So please step forward in faith and give yourself permission to do that. She was so lovely. I enjoyed that conversation so much. What a great way to start season two. Now, Denise Duffield-Thomas has the phenomenally well-known Money Boot Camp. That is her main program. You can learn more about that at denisedt.com. Her books are Lucky Bitch, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and the new one, Chillpreneur, which is going to be released in February 2019. You can pre-order Chillpreneur now. So head over to Amazon. You will find the links in the podcast show notes or over on my website at thrive.how forward slash podcast 106 i'll be back next week how fun is that until then people keep thriving keep thriving